Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to the award-winning Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle, standing in for our host, Cathy Sheridan. And just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud. And you can always find us on irishtimes.com. And if you like what you hear each episode, please do go to iTunes and write a review telling everybody else that if they are interested in women and the issues that affect us, that this is the podcast to follow. In the early hours of this morning, 20 years ago, Princess Diana died after her car crashed in a tunnel in Paris. I remember I was in my flat. I got a call from a colleague and I turned on the television and like millions of people around the world was completely shocked by the news. It just seemed so unbelievable. Those were the days before Twitter, before Facebook. We couldn't do much with our phones except play Snake if you had a Nokia. I remember my mother being very annoyed by what Cathy Sheridan has called recently in this newspaper by the global griefathon that ensued. My mother said she was just a woman who died. Why such a fuss? Um, in fairness, my mother was on her own very much there because it was all most of us talked about for days and for weeks. So today, 20 years after her death, we're going to talk about Diana. On the 31st of August 1997, I was a 25-year-old reporter for the Irish Times and I was sent up to the British Embassy to write about the scenes there as people gathered. And I thought I'd start this episode by reading that piece, which really gives a sense of how people were feeling that day in Dublin and around the country. They came in their thousands, people of all ages and occupations, to pay their last respects to a princess many considered a friend. At the British Embassy in Ballsbridge, Dublin yesterday, officials described as striking the depth of grief shown by Irish people as they queued in the sunshine to sign the Book of Condolences. Mr Sean Stenson, 32, from Dublin, was among the first of many who arrived, clutching flowers and cards. He had been in London when he heard the news. The sense of shock there was unbelievable, he said. We went for a meal and Diana was the only topic of conversation. She was such a lovely presence. She said so much just with her eyes. Mr Paul MacDonald, 31, from Ringsend in Dublin, said he just wanted to sign the book to pay his respects to a wonderful woman so that her children can know all the love she left behind. Inside, Mr James Tansley of the Embassy described how he'd been woken up at 3am on Sunday by a member of the public and told the princess had been involved in an accident. I got a tremendous shock, he said. The widespread grief of the Irish public has been striking. The embassy is used to receiving inquiries about the royal family, but even the ambassador, Mrs Veronica Sutherland, was surprised by the impact of the princess's death throughout the state. I have been extremely touched and very, very moved by the good wishes and sadness that the Irish people have expressed in surprising numbers, she said. The book of condolences is placed in the reception area. Beside it are a bunch of white lilies and a photograph of Princess Diana wearing a bright blue suit. An embassy employee wept openly as she refilled the fountain pens with black ink. She was the epitome of a perfect, lovely lady, she said. It's so incredibly tragic and sad, said Miss Alexia Greer, 30, from Donnybrook. It's just like a Greek tragedy. 
Mr Joe Casey, 37, an accountant from Clonsilla in Dublin, took the morning off work to remember a woman who seemed like a friend of mine. He said, I feel like there is an empty pit in my stomach now. When she came downstairs on Sunday morning, said Miss Nicola Dunn, age 20, a student, her house in Selbridge, County Kildare, was in silence. My nine-year-old brother told me Diana was dead and I was just crying and watching TV all day. I felt like I knew her. I'm really going to miss her. Miss Jacintha Hawhey from Glenageary, County Dublin, brought her two children, Marie, nine, and Gerard, six. I came firstly as a mother because she had such love for her boys. Secondly, with all the trouble in her life, she overcame her problems in such a beautiful way. She was an inspiration. How can we forget her? It was a question many were asking yesterday as they signed their names. They were joined by the Taoiseach, Mr O'Hearn, the Taunishta, Miss Harney, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Mr Burke, and the Minister for Finance, Mr Rory Quinn. The President, Mrs Robinson, sent her secretary to sign on her behalf. Outside the grey embassy building, the Union flag was at half-mast. The banks of flowers that have appeared since the news broke early on Sunday morning grew bigger by the hour. Those waiting in a queue, which at one point stretched 500 yards down the road, wiped away tears as they read the poignant messages attached to the floral tributes. One expressed the hope that the princess had finally found happiness with her Prince Dodie. Another was from Isabel, age seven, from Monkstown, County Dublin. In pink crayon, she wrote, Dear Diana, very sorry that you are dead. That was that piece I wrote, a news report in the Irish Times, which appeared in the days following Diana's death. And in the past few weeks, our co-producer Jennifer Ryan has spoken to people who knew her personally and others who felt like they did about their memories of Diana and what she meant to them. And here she is now. This is a newsflash from National 9 News. Welcome to this special National 9 News update and the news out of Paris on the condition of Princess Diana is not good. Another um, source of information now, a French minister is being quoted this by the Reuters news agency now, that uh, Diana, Princess of Wales, has died in this accident. Diana, Princess of Wales and Dodie Fired have been killed in a car crash in Paris. The accident happened as their car was being chased by photographers through a road tunnel near the Eiffel Tower. Good morning on this tragic morning as Channel 4 News continues to report the death of Diana, Princess of Wales. Princess Diana has died as a result of a car crash, a high-speed car crash in Paris, France. A plane with the coffin containing the body of Princess Diana landed at the RAF airbase at Northolt, northwest of London, shortly after 7 o'clock tonight. 20 years after those news bulletins, Princess Diana is front-page news again. New TV documentaries and the private memories of her sons have been aired in recent weeks, as well as a slew of new revelations about her life. Her death in a Paris underpass at the age of 36 sparked an unprecedented outpouring of public grief, even here in Ireland, a place she never visited, where tricolours flew at half-mast during her funeral and 3,000 people went to an ecumenical mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin. World leaders turned out in their droves to pay tribute to the woman who seemed to mean so much to so many people. I feel like everyone else in this country today, utterly devastated. Our thoughts and prayers are with Princess Diana's family, in particular her two sons, the two boys. Uh, We liked her very much. We admired her work for children, for people with AIDS, for the cause of ending the scourge of landmines in the world. I have a sense that the messages of presidents and of prime ministers 
are not really going to matter very much to two boys who not only have to cope with the grief and loss of their mother, but have to do it in a public life. So what was it about Diana that seemed to touch so many people? For many, it was her style. She was gorgeous. She had blonde hair and huge blue eyes and athletic figure. And in her latter years in particular, she was a great dresser. Irish Times fashion journalist Deirdre McQuillan says Diana was a rebel. She broke from royal tradition and ditched the white gloves. Her clothes were an extension of her personality and she used her fashion choices to send out signals about her life. Early on, she was the innocent 18-year-old in her Sloney sort of frills and so on. And that continued until I think really her first children, were, the first child was born. So you can see that in the sort of the big 80s style, wide shoulders, the flounces, the long skirts, the, the efforts at making tweed look less sort of stuffy. And then when the whole thing broke, when it was very obvious that the marriage was failing, so you could see the dramatic change in her. And she had a great connection with people. That was another thing that made her special. So that suddenly this awareness of somebody who was alone, um, she didn't, her husband had another woman, um, somebody who was athletic and who cared about clothes. You could see it was changing. She was becoming proud of her body, proud of the way she looked, confident in herself, or certainly appearing to be confident in herself. So I think that that's when she started wearing the Versace, the, the, the more figure-hugging, the sheaths, the famous revenge dress, of course, um, that showed off the fine, mature woman that she had become. Now, we all know that she was suffering, but she certainly showed... Like, the wonderful dress for John Travolta, for instance. You know, could see the love of clothes that came across. So I think she loved clothes, but she was also extremely aware of the signal that they sent. And the signal with a lot of those later dresses was, I'm on my own, I'm, I love the way I look, or I'm happy the way I look. She, as you know, she had bulimia earlier on and so I think that documentary is very revealing in that you could see that the connection with people was important to her it helped her through the difficult times and finally one thing one of the most important things was she didn't use gloves meeting people she touched people in every sense my name is Margaret Harty and I'm principal of a primary school in North Tipperary Okay, what did I like about Diana's style? I was just drawn to her. I bought into the whole fairy tale princess of the young girl marrying the prince. And from, I suppose, the engagement, looking at all the different outfits. And it was the first glimpse that I would have really got of royalty. And royalty that we could see every day and have photos of her. And it was going out at night with these beautiful dresses. But then we'd see her in beautiful jumpers at a polo match or jeans and shoes and I think we could relate I could relate to that 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 was something that a style that I could have or anyone any of my friends and that's what I think I was drawn to about her and I loved I just loved her the look of her this tall girl this and those beautiful blue eyes 
and the blonde hair. And I think as her style evolved, I just got so much more into her. I loved when she chopped off all that fuzzy hair and had that sleek, short look that she was really classy then. I lived for Thursday evening that Hello! magazine would come out. I had four small children. I mightn't even be able to get into the town to buy it. And my poor brother had to face into the shop every Thursday to buy Hello! magazine. And he'd arrive out at six o'clock in the evening. And if Diana was on the front of that, my evening was made. My children went to bed and then I devoured every single inch of that magazine. More than 700 million people tuned in to watch Diana marry her prince in 1981. Elizabeth Emanuel designed the epic dress with the mile-long train, huge puffy sleeves and mountains of silk that looked like nothing that came before it but would inspire thousands of copycats for years after. Unbelievably, I think the pal- neither the palace or anybody else realised how big that wedding was going to be. And Diana was very calm, the palace was very calm, uh, because the previous one, I think the last one had been Princess Anne, I think. But there wasn't, you know, it was very exciting. And we thought a royal wedding, how wonderful, this is just great. But 700 million people turns it into something else. And I think they completely underestimated what the public interest would be in that wedding, because the whole story of Diana you know, the transformation from a nursery school teacher into a future queen of England. And, you know, she was so naive and young. It's not like today, you know, and time of Big Brother and everybody's trying to get on the TV. But more than her style, people seemed to connect with Diana on a personal level. She famously claimed to want nothing more than to be the queen of people's hearts. And we believed her. She wasn't just this beautiful face and... I suppose she brought the royalty into, you know, the 20th century. And she, they were so stuffy. They, you know, you'd see them barely deign to shake hands with somebody. And yet here she was. I can still see her shaking hands with that AIDS sufferer. And the difference that that made, you know, with her, with the landmines and she walking into it. Now, I know she was probably safe, but she was the only one prepared to do it. And again, with children and with... You know, she was so she was so compassionate. She didn't have to be. She could have had this persona that you know wasn't as true as that. But I think that passion and that kindness and shone out in her. It was part of her. She was very. She seemed to be what I could see of her. She seemed to be a caring person. That she really was compassionate, and she did realize how I suppose fortunate materially she was and her children were. And that she, you know, the way she even showed them that side of life, that she wanted them to see it's not all living in a castle, that there is another side to life. And I, I definitely think that compassion came out in, in a lot of things with her, even her beautiful smile. I mean, I don't think you could have that softness in your face if she hadn't some part of that in her personality. You know, she wasn't this little Sloney teacher anymore. And she was, she, was, she was suffering. And I think people identified with that. And they could see that, maybe they could see that in the way that she dressed with such pride and which, with such style, that, you know, there were ways in which the clothes were helping her as well, you know, to... Uh, and I suppose women did identify with that. And she looked wonderful. 
Elizabeth Emmanuel knew her well, and she says she was the real deal. Well, she was very self-assured and very sweet. Also incredibly smart. She had this common sense thing about her because she was used to dealing with children and a very nurturing side to her personality and made you feel like you were the only person in the world when she was talking to you. She always had time for you. She was never too busy to speak to you or say hello and made a point of seeing all our seamstresses. And, you know, she, she really cared about people. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, she didn't put that on. It was really what she was like. You know, she's, uh, she has a great sense of humour. She drove us to the palace a couple of times in her car, which was fun. You know, if you can imagine pulling up at the lights and people doing a different, another take, you know, saying, hang on a second. And, you know, she'd sort of go to the palace and she'd be making us coffee. And she was just so normal and, you know, regular, lovely person. My name's Arthur Edwards and I'm the royal photographer of the Sun newspaper. Arthur Edwards took thousands of photographs of Diana. He was the first journalist to identify her as Prince Charles's girlfriend and was with her on official engagements all over the world thereafter, including her trip to Bosnia's minefields not long before she was killed. He says she broke the royal mould. She changed. Um, I thought she changed. I mean, gradually she became wiser and, you know, she embraced charities of her own. I mean, all this first engagements were with the prince who was guiding her through it, you know. And I remember, you know, she used to sort of look for approval and, uh, you know, to see that if she was doing it right. But slowly she became more and more confident. She took on lots of her own patronages and charities. She'd go to different schools. She'd be very involved with Great Ormond Street Hospital. And, uh, and so she became to become more and more independent and doing things her way. And, of course, then she started to charity awful disease AIDS, where she went to the Middlesex Hospital in London and embraced the AIDS patients there. And, you know, that was amazing. And she, and she just almost automatically took the stigma out of that awful disease. She, she kind of broke the mould how the royals do things. And so you would see, like, starting off the shy die, the, you know, the people's princess, as we was dubbed by Tony Blair, but embracing the people and the people loving her. And slowly she took on these more and more, I suppose, challenging jobs and, um, and cope with them very well. And, and right through to, to the very end where the last picture I took of her was in Bosnia when uh, she was campaigning to stop the use of landmines against all advice from politicians, in fact, criticism from politicians here in Britain, to the old guard at Buckingham Palace, tut tut in. She, she refused to listen and she just carried on and did it her way and i mean you know there was a massive sign up from many countries to ban those awful awful weapons and um you know a lot to be thankful for to diana for doing that at that time she was like even though she was no longer a member of the royal family she was hugely important and if she went off somewhere the whole of the royal pack went with her there was no question and and she and i said she broke the mold she did things her way if she went to a hospice She'd sit on the bed and hold the person's hand and look into their eyes. If she went to a clinic for children, she'd pick the children up and, and, and cuddle them. I mean, I went with her to a leper, a leper hospital in Nigeria, and she just held the leper's hands and there were fingers missing, but she didn't care. And she looked at this person right in the eyes with those big eyes and must have made that person feel really important. So she started doing things so differently in and, and her way. Diana and her boyfriend, the Harrods heir Dodi Al-Fayed, were killed when their chauffeur-driven car crashed in a tunnel in Paris as the driver tried to outrun a horde of paparazzi on motorbikes. 
As our presenter Cathy Sheridan wrote in this newspaper last weekend, it seems a bit bonkers that the death of a foreign princess in a Paris underpass may colonise the same memory shelf as the assassination of President John F. Kennedy or 9-11. But it was one of those moments that people ask, do you remember where you were? Elizabeth Emanuel does and says it was like a nightmare. Um, I think I was in bed and my dad phoned me up. It's about five in the morning and uh, just told me to switch on the television. And that's how I found out. Although at the time, it wasn't to announce she was dead, just to say she was in an accident. But I couldn't stop looking at the television. And then um, it was such an incredibly awful shock that I couldn't believe it. It was sort of, I just thought it was a nightmare or something. It took some time for it to sink in. Because my husband was working in the Irish Times. We were asleep in bed. And the next minute he woke up, he said, Dodie and Diana are dead. I've got to get down to the paper. I said, what, 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 what? Dodie and Diana are dead. Dodie and Diana are dead. I will never forget it. For Margaret Harty, it was my own mother, Cathy Ryan, who broke it to her that the news coming out of Paris that morning was not good. I was lying in bed on Sunday morning. I had a three-month-old baby who was crying half the night. And your mother rang me with the news, Jennifer. She knew I would be so shocked, and yet she sort of backtracked and said, no, I'm not really sure she's dead, but she has been in a car accident. Have you heard? Oh, my God. I, I, I can, I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget that moment. I couldn't believe that that could happen to this, could happen to Prince Diana, that she had this life, this wonderful life now, and had everything. And then be killed in a car crash. I think she was two, she was a year older than I was. That's what, she was a year older. And she was a young mother. And I suppose I, 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 you know, equated that with me, but I couldn't get my head around her being killed at that young age. After nearly two decades photographing Diana and following her around the world to do so, Arthur Edwards found himself following her once more that day that she died. He'd developed a close personal relationship with Diana over the years, but he didn't have time to mourn her that day. It was a case of getting on a plane to Paris and focusing on the job at hand. It was a very, very hot day and there were slowly journalists and and TV crews and everything was assembling outside the hospital. And I found out that the Prince of Wales was coming to collect the body about five five o'clock London times, about six o'clock in Paris. And I needed to get into the hospital because I knew he wasn't going to walk out the front door with the body. I knew that was going to happen. So it was like, it was, I suppose, a hundred reporters, photographers and, and camera crews outside the front of that hospital. It went on for about two or three hundred yards. The, I knew I'd get into the hospital. So I rang someone I knew at the embassy in Paris who gave me a number for the person who was uh, handling the press inquiries. And I knew this guy, and he said to me, look, Paul Burrow wants to speak to you. And Paul Burrow was the butler, and then he, he came on and was telling me about we'd lost the captain of our ship. I remember him saying that. I spoke to a diner chauffeur, Colin, Colin Tebbett, and uh, he was saying, you know, we come over this morning on the early flight, and we're going to, you know, take a back at 5 o'clock. But I said to this guy, look, any chance I can get into the hospital? So he said... Uh, yeah, get, get a small pool together and come to the side door at 4.30 and I'll get you in, which I did. And we went in and, and I did the picture of the coffin leaving with President Chirac had put the presidential guard outside, you know, in honour of her. And, uh, and she came out with a royal standard draped over the coffin. And um, 
it was, you know, that's when I realised she was dead, and that's when I started to sort of feel very sad and started to cry. Of course, I had no time to sort of start blubbing. I had to get the picture back to the office. I, was, I rushed out into the street to get a cab to the, go and process my film, and the cab driver wouldn't take me. I mean, this guy said, you're an assassin, because I had these cameras around my neck, and he thought I was part of the paparazzi that had um, that chased her through the streets, because it was the big story. And, well, of course, I wasn't a paparazzi, but he didn't know that. And uh, eventually I got the picture over and made the first edition. When they landed at Northolt, RAF Northolt, the RAF marched her off the plane in a magnificent style, you know, and uh, that picture, not my picture out of the paper, but I was there and I remember it like it was yesterday, a scruffy back of this hospital, presidential guard, the coffin coming out on the with four members of the the royal um, undertakers and then it was loaded in the car and the car went off and then the prince of wales and the two sisters came out and um they, the two sisters were terribly terribly upset and that was it she was gone 20 years after her death there's a renewed focus on diana and that's in part down to her sons princes william and harry both are involved in charity work recently taking part in a campaign to raise awareness about young people's mental health, with Harry talking about his own issues arising from the loss of his mother. Deirdre McQuillan says Diana would be proud. But she lives on through them, and they are wonderful. She certainly was the people's princess. Blair was right. He hit it on the nail when he said that. She had a way with people. And I think that transferred to the to her sons who clearly adored her and whom she clearly adored and clearly invested a lot of time she was a great mother and I think also the other thing I think about Diana and what I like about her is she was a rebel she wasn't going to be put down by this monster that was surrounding her this terrible situation and for all of that I think there was a kind of integrity and honesty that really came across to people and it was rebellious it was a rebel you know I'm not going to put up with this situation and she didn't it's inevitable with anniversaries of all kinds, that the and a focus comes in again, into, that that she will come into focus again. But I think then she will, it it will pass. But I, I think her two sons really are her legacy. That was Jennifer Ryan there with her report on the 20th anniversary of the death of Princess Diana. Thanks to Deirdre McQuillan, Margaret Harty, Elizabeth Emanuel and Arthur Edwards for speaking to the Women's Podcast. The podcast was produced by myself, Roisin Ingle, and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. That's all we have time for. We'll talk to you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.